Coming Out, Indiana's only LGBTIQ plus news and public affairs show, featuring music, events, and interviews, both local and global. Live from the WFHB studios in Bloomington, Indiana, this is Blooming Out. Good evening, loves. Thank you for tuning in, streaming, or downloading Blooming Out on WFHB. I'm Melanie Davis. And I'm Justin Robertson. And I'm Ireland Meacham. And I'm Lucas Fisher. Yes, you are. Hello. Hi, everybody. It's so good to see you. Yeah. Welcome to February. Welcome to February. Already. Month. Uh, Yes, it's always the longest and the shortest month of the year. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, February. 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 It's a Wednesday in February. (laughs) How is everybody doing? Pretty good. I'm excited because after this, I am going to a Zoom meeting for the Reclaim Pride Coalition, which um, is the organization at NYC that throws the um, Queer Liberation March every year, which is sort of the anti-pride, like capital S pride. Um, Yes. So... Yeah, the anti-capitalist pride. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I'm going to that at eight, which I'm very excited about, just to see how I can, like, get involved and whatnot. Awesome. Great. Well, let us know how it goes. Yeah, I will. Yeah, please do. I, I love all the great things that you do, Ireland. Um, it's so wonderful, the things that you get to do in New York City. Represent us. <laughs> happy to do it <laughs> but there's so much going on and, and that's um that's one of those organizations that's just really trying to to um keep the uh fires going and keep the the um the meaning of pride together and exactly and uh, I love I love what they've done, and I love what you've reported that they've done because you were you were there year before last, right? Or was it yeah, like- which was the f- yeah I was there in 2019, which I believe was the first time they did the march. Yeah, um, so can it was talk- really cool. Can you? I mean, I know that we talked about last year, but there might be some listeners that aren't aware of this or what it is. Uh, you know, why is there a need for an anti-capitalist? Yes. So I think it sort of came about just because the, the, um, I, I, I don't quote me on that, but, um, in 2019, it was the big world pride, uh, ceremony in NYC and parade and everything. And it just was very clear that, you know, there were everywhere you look, there were businesses that had pride flags up and there were brands that were sponsoring pride. And like at the parade, there were just, you know, it was flow after flow after flow of like, um, you know, these big, colorful, giant, amazing floats, but it's all sponsored by certain companies and brands and whatever. And it just feels kind of icky. And it's like, it's really great to have, um, you know, like, you know, to see pride flags everywhere you go in New York, like during pride pride month um like two years ago but it becomes very clear like especially after the 2020 uh june pride month in nyc um 
that that was very uh, sort of, you could see right through it. Like when, as soon as there wasn't an opportunity to have a big giant parade, you don't see any of the same support for the queer community in New York. If there's nothing to gain from it, if there's no place to advertise, if there's, you know, no way to make money off of it. Um, so the, the queer liberation March is basically like the counter to that. Um, the counter to the big corporate sponsored pride parade with all the celebrities and everything. It's just a lot of people, you know, doing what pride has always been is just a March um, and just a reminder of, of what, you know, the, the, of the entire queer liberation movement in, in America um, and how pride started as a riot and just trying to keep that energy and, um, yeah. And then last year, you know, the Queer Liberation March still happened, even though the big corporate pride parade didn't happen. And it was um, intercepted by the NYPD and the um, marchers got beaten and uh, pepper sprayed and it was pretty ugly. So it's about, yeah, it's about um, reminding us of what's at the core of the movement and reminding us to not, you know, fall into the, the smoke and mirrors of um, corporations supporting pride when it benefits them. Performative allyship. Exactly. Yeah. Isn't that interesting that the police came to that pride that's not being a corporate sponsored and isn't, you know, a big part of capitalism, you know? Meanwhile, yeah. And then in the 2019 parade, it's, you know, police escorted and you know giant parade down fifth avenue for literally 12 to 14 hours like you know and then as soon as you know queer people come out to say hey we're still here and hey stop killing black people then it's a different thing mm -hmm. and yeah it's it's pretty see-through <laughs> yeah well this is very important to me because i've been going to pride for, I don't know, so, so, it was so many years back, lived in Chicago, it was 20 some odd years ago, but there was a point where I just got so tired of the corporate feeling of it. And I don't mean to be ungrateful or, but it's just what you said. It's, it's if they're not advertising to us or using us as a commodity, they're really usually not doing anything for us. As a mm -hmm. Yeah. They're just exploiting us. And so people would be like, oh, are you going to Pride this year? And I was like, no, no. And I didn't go to Pride, mm. I think, for 20 years until we did the Spencer Pride, which mm -hmm. is a different thing. Yeah. I loved every minute of that. But um, people would be like, well, you're so unsupportive of your community. And I'm like, no, it's not my community anymore. It belongs yeah. to Budweiser. It's their parade. They can have it. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I know I sound like the Grinch of Gay Pride Parade. I'm exactly no, saying. you're absolutely right. No, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's if they're not showing up for us when it doesn't benefit them, yeah. why on earth would we buy into that yeah. narrative? You know. Well, and you know, the bouncing billy clubs came right back out, and that shows yeah, exactly, exactly where we still stand. You know. Yeah. And that just shows that that says it all right there, right? Mm -hmm. If, yeah, exactly. If you look at, yeah, like I was saying, if you look at the 2019 NYC Pride Month versus the 2020 NYC Pride Month, it's right there. You know, it's very clear. It's like a Stonewall reenactment parade. 
Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's not funny, but that's clever. And it's true. And that is what the parade is about, is Stonewall. Yeah. Yeah, they had suddenly had an issue with it when it was centering Black trans women. Um, yeah. Trans women fighting off policemen who were beating right. them. Right. Yeah, oh, literally. <laughs> you know. Trans women are getting ducked into unmarked vans uh, as they walk down the street. Yep. That happened on more than one occasion. Right. And that's <laughs> in, Still in New York. Mm-hmm. You think they would have learned a lesson. Um, apparently not. And that's why it's important is to show the the people of the city to show our community and to show the uh powers that be that we don't for we didn't forget yeah we, we know we know what is right around the corner we know what happens in the shadows and you can't uh can't gloss over that so um that would be awesome please tell us how that went next week if you can i mean sometimes you can't um, it's all confidential, but uh, I'll definitely give you an update. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, and I would like to hear about it too because you know what do we need to be doing? Like in Bloomington, is is a as a community because I think one of the things I struggle with in Bloomington, I mean, and this is largely due to the pandemic, is just like where is the where is the people? Where is the community at? And I guess it really takes a lot of personal investment to to get involved in community like coalition and organizing and that's something i really need to work on i mean i know with the pandemic like that's an easy excuse but really the pandemic should be a moment where people come together more and so i don't know i'm trying to find my place same yeah it's about finding where you know what you can, you know, but like figuring out what you're good at and what you can yeah. provide to like help out, you know, and like, yeah, literally me, this is me like trying to figure out how I can be more involved, like going, you know, just showing up to this Zoom meeting, seeing, you know, what they need help with and like how, how they're organizing even months in advance. And like, I just want to, you know, learn about it and um, get the chance to hear from the elders in the community that are, you know, running this stuff. And yeah. Cause there's yeah. already people doing a lot of work. There's a lot of people already doing the work. Right. Is, yeah. is, and it's just like, we need to, we need to link up. Mm-hmm. So out. email, I've got an email for you. If you want to link up with somebody about getting to, you know, together as, as an LGBT community and putting something um, out there so that we can all, um, Work and celebrate uh, in solidarity. And that email is um, melanie at lgbtiq.center. And that's E-R, not R-E, at the end. And uh, um, let's get that going because I feel that this is right up what the, the point of having a center is about is having a central place where people can come and um, do activism and do 
community building and celebration and and hard work absolutely um but yeah or back to us email her sorry about that it was uh having people ding me um i was gonna say that i i'm not gonna say it okay uh okay i will my dingling the song pops up in my head every time that thing comes on to my computer <laughs> and uh, I feel so dirty <laughs> thinking that, but that's what happens. Yeah. Let me find the trap remix of that really fast. Justin, what do you got going on? Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> as I said, I feel like every single week I say the same thing because I'm one of those people that just take COVID very seriously, even though people come in and out of my house and I have to shoot them away. Um, <laughs> every day to me is Groundhog's Day. Yesterday yeah. was Groundhog's Day. Today is Groundhog's Day. Tomorrow will be Groundhog's Day. <laughs> so I don't have too much interesting to say, except for that I live on Zoom. Sometimes against my will, mostly against my will, except for lovely evenings like this when I get to see you lovely people. Um, <clears throat> but so, yeah, I don't have any fabulous stories to tell, and I'm not nearly as um, active as Ireland is. I am guilty of being the former, of just being the curmudgeon, you know, who, who just complains about everything. But I will have you know, I was an activist for 30 years. I belonged to ACT UP. I did it all. I'm tired. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for your service. That's fair. Thank you for your service. <laughs> yes, thank you. And I just thank Goddess for people like Ireland who are doing the work for me. <laughs> I, I don't give me that much praise. That's too much. I don't well, deserve that. <laughs> praise and workload, apparently. So uh, it, it just doubled. Now you guys. Uh, yeah. Now, yeah. I have to. Yeah. Pick up the slack. <laughs> Well, you know, in in, uh, in Groundhog Day, uh, that's uh, spurred Bill Murray's character to actually do different things, like try different stuff. So I'm no, I've crazy. never actually seen it. <laughs> what? I've never seen it. Oh, okay. So, uh, so what you got to do is actually more, and and go out and just be wild and crazy and do the stuff that you wouldn't normally do. That's a really great idea during a pandemic. You're you're free. <laughs> Maybe take it to the living room, you know, or yeah. uh, the front porch. <laughs> oh, I take it to the living room. <laughs> I take it to the back porch, but I don't. Um, yeah. Are we still well, talking about your dingling? You, you know, <laughs> you know that I'm a much more exciting fabulous person when a pandemic's not going on don't you I oh yeah clearly right yeah we've heard the stories <laughs> out and about with the nancy reagan cardigan That's right Ooh. Ooh. serving looks <laughs> out of leather bars for wearing a cardigan <laughs> wear a leather cardigan body yeah um, that's it that's it a leather cardigan there that's you go funny. Yeah. It's the perfect mix of styles. There you go. I, I want to see it. time to save up for my birthday. It's Thanksgiving. I have some leather here. Do you oh want red God. or black? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Rogers' red one. 
if you want. So That's my favorite color of cardigan. Then let's do it. A red oh love cardigan. Oh my god! My yeah. Dream. That's so your vibe, Justin. <laughs> oh my god! I love it. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> <laughs> and then let's see who gets kicked out of the leather bar, huh? Right? Oh. Yeah, leather cardigan. Uh-uh. Is the 501 in Indy still open? That's the I, only leather bar in the area I know of. I have no idea. It was the only leather bar I ever tried to get into, I think. No. They were really sweet. You should have just said that you knew me. Well, no, it wasn't there. It was in Chicago. Oh, okay. I don't know the people that go there. It was... It was called the meat market. Yes. <laughs> Gross. Man. Anyway, enough about me. What about Lucas? Oh, what about me? I already, uh, uh, what did I do? Confess to my sins of being lazy and terrible. So, uh, lazy. That's weird. Yeah. so young, Lucas. Uh, I, oh my God. Here I, we go. I, I've earned the right. Well, I'm more depressed than all of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's an excuse. Uh, I guess it's not. I don't know. Anybody, uh, you know, if you if you know of any good therapists, uh, and I'm just speaking generally to Bloomington, you know, send them my way. We could cut that out. Fhb.org. Um, I will probably check it. Well, we're always here for you, Lucas. You have Thanks. all of our numbers. Yeah. Well, it's just like, you know, I don't know what I'm doing. Primarily. And no one does. Bloomington's the type of city where everybody's constantly in and out. And there just doesn't really feel like, I mean, and I'm not looking hard enough. So don't get me wrong, Bloomington. I know this town's great. I know there's a lot of great people doing stuff. Uh, I, you know, but it's to me, it just feels like everybody's in and out of this town. And it's a, it's a weird transition when you've just graduated, you know. You're in that age demographic. In this I'm in town. that what the hell is going on age demographic. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. And some people take off in New York. Perfectly normal. If you did know what was going on, then there'd be something wrong with you. Yeah. Yeah, then I'm, you need to give the talks. Things would be different if there wasn't a pandemic. Yeah. That's really what it comes to. And I hate to use that excuse, but it's just the way... Oh, no, it's a great are. excuse, and it's not an excuse. It's the reality of the situation. Because, I mean, I don't do anything. I'm just like you, Justin, except, I mean, I do have to work in person, but that's, that's about as much as I get out here in this year of 2021. Well... Whole year later. Yeah. Yeah. We see how it's shaping up. Um, my daughter uses that excuse, the pandemic, to get out of like, you know, dishes or laundry or homework. <laughs> now, the, no, that's, that's smart. The pandemic does not work for <laughs> the depression though. And it's caused us something. So there you go. <laughs> well come on over and you can stand outside and look in my window and I watch uh, fun things. Or like what? <laughs> like what? 
<laughs> there was a very pregnant <laughs> pause after that. <laughs> Those movies of Justin back, you know, 20 years ago. Say, why, why weren't Ireland and I invited? <laughs> well, you can come over too. Um, there may be a distance issue for me. Yeah. We'll set up a Zoom for you. You can stand beside them. Mm-hmm. All right. Pod. All right. I don't want to be that guy, but I almost feel like you guys had more fun back in the day than I'm having right now. Oh, <laughs> oh yes. <laughs> and you know why? It's because I have the internet and cell phones and uh, ways to compare myself to other people, you know, and nobody, nobody is fun at all. You know, we compared ourselves to other people too. We just did it in person. Yeah, we don't, we don't. You should try that. I should be more mean to people, I guess. Yes, in person. It makes for an exciting, exciting use. <laughs> Tell me more. How are you with running? With what? Running. With running? Yeah, because if you make fun of somebody in person. Oh, yeah. You have to run. You have to. Oh, is that? That's really. It's one of those skills. Oh, I'm a great runner. You so. see, okay, we're never bored. We were always being chased. (laughs) 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 And not always in the good way. (laughs) Oh. Interesting. So, yeah, we'll get you chased. (laughs) Yeah, that sounds good. Because, you know, I'm in digital purgatory. Oh, that's terrible. Yeah. Not looking too good. I got a place for you that I went to this weekend, a friend of mine uh, invited me out to go do some photo shooting and stuff because uh, I haven't been putting up photos online. And uh, it's something that a lot of people had seen. I guess on Facebook, they they had some uh, pictures floating around and it's a, a local amusement park from the 20s that was abandoned and then fell into decay. And um, so uh, we trekked two hours down to Charlestown and it's called Rose uh, Island. I don't know. Have you heard of that? Mm-mm. Mm-mm. It, it was rainy on Sunday and we went down there and uh, um, hiked forever. And I, yeah, you know, I've had mobility issues for these past few years. And <laughs> I get to the hill and we look down and it's it's a couple hundred feet down, right? And uh it was like, do I really want to go? And these teenagers were walking up the hill and we're like, How bad is it? And they're like, Ah, it's a hike, it's not too bad though. Like, okay. Well, in for a penny, in for a pound, we go down. And, uh, yeah, that was more hiking than I had done in five years. And I completely wiped myself out. But I got photos. I got story. I got almost all of my steps in for the month. Um, It was... uh, I survived something that I was just about ready to give up on and call for a medevac. It was, uh, 
it was kind of wild. So you can do stuff like that. that you like, like fun. fun. You like to exercise. They got trails. Yeah, I mean, I haven't really left my house in a year. Oh, so dark. maybe I sh- should go. Geez. Take your dogs. That's what Teddy and I have discovered a whole new world too. So where, what was this place called, Melanie? It's called Rose Island. There's actually not that much there. When you get there, it's, it's just kind of some posts and signs and stuff. They removed all the things that you could get tetanus from. And that was kind of disappointing. That's not any fun. <laughs> um, I was hoping to see some like real decay, but right. the trip is lovely and there's fun stuff to, you know, if you like, rural decay um there's great barns and and hills and it's it's a pretty drive even in the gloom it's pretty um but it 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 snowed the night before so i thought i was gonna get some great snow shots it started raining and all the snow was gone southern indiana well should we get on to news and things unless melanie did you have what 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 else is new for you? Well, this sounds like you you already know. <laughs> so I, I, I don't know anything. What are you talking about? <laughs> I was on uh, I was asked by some people. Um we we unfortunately had a death in the MCCSC um board of trustees. The trustee for the fifth district, which is where I live for MCCSC passed away. His name is Keith Klein. And um, so he's left a a vacancy on the uh, school board and somebody put out there, well, who lives in, in the fifth district? And I said me. And so several people had asked me to apply for his seat. Um, so I am getting the application turned in and we'll see what happens. So I'm running, uh, for an appointment because they just held elections. Um, but I'm running for an appointment to our district's, um, seat. Yay. Yay. This is so, so exciting. I mean, we spent so much time this year talking about like encouraging, you know, our own community to go out and run and get, you know, be, be participants in government and stuff. And you're actually doing it. It's amazing. Yay. And next is president. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll see. Um, you know, so I like Obama. I say I'm not going to run. Then, you know, I, I, I run. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. I'm not. Running. <laughs> exactly. I, this is school board. It's something that me and my family has been involved with education and um, and public service for ever since they got here. And this just seems like something that uh, I might be able to, to do. And the way that um, people were, were asking me, uh, you know, if I'd be willing to. I, you know, I sat there. I had a, a couple of friends who are on, have been on the board or are, are on the board. And I, I just really, public education is one of those things that I think has been so mishandled in the state. Um, 
you know, and I've got some ideas. So, <laughs> uh, maybe, Yay. maybe this is a chance to, to work toward also creating an, a culture of equity, um, such as we're able to. So we'll see. We'll see. I don't know who else is signing up. It's a really small district. There aren't a whole lot of uh, families in the district as compared to the other ones. Um, it's mostly downtown, a couple of big churches, mostly student housing, and um, kind of the, the Bryant Park, uh, Third Street Park area, and our neighborhood, which is um, Prospect Hill. So there are a couple of little islands out there with houses in them. But so if you're in that area, I am keep a lookout. Right. For... You know, maybe I'll be knocking on your door and trying to figure out what um what you really want to see out of the school board. So mm-hmm. but I think you're a, a great person for the job. So I'm yeah, a, you're so I so perfect for it. We'll be wonderful at it, and I hope you get it. And I bet you will. Well, thank you. I appreciate your vote of confidence. If if not, you know, an actual ballot vote. So, uh, anyway, that was that was oh. my news, and we have national and otherwise news too, right? We do. Um, something cool happened in New York this week. Um, I'll just oh, jump right into it. Uh, so our governor, Andrew Cuomo, Cuomo signed a bill on Tuesday uh, that repealed a very controversial statute that's commonly known as the walking while trans ban. Mm-hmm. Um, so this uh, is like a 1976 penal law statute aim- aimed at uh, pro- prohibiting loitering for the purpose of prostitution, but it ultimately just led to years of police and law enforcement discrimination against trans people of color, trans women of color, especially. Um, So according to one Senator who uh, helped uh, pass this bill, uh, Brad Hoyleman, I believe um, he said, yeah, the statute allowed police to basically to just stop and frisk trans women of color and other marginalized groups who are simply walking down the street. And it's led to hundreds of unnecessary arrests of trans women of color and um, just, a you know, the broader like culture of fear and intimidation for trans people and gender nonconforming people in New York. Um, and according to city arrest statistics that were cited in the sponsor memo for the bill uh, from t- 2012 to 2015, 85% of the people arrested under this law were black or Latinx. Um, and I also want to mention that um, this is really good news. This story is also directly related to um, the 2019 death of Laylene Polanco extravaganza. Yeah. Um, when she was in custody at Rikers Island uh, and she was incarcerated due to an open warrant that she couldn't provide bail for, for charges related to sex work. It was under this law that she was arrested. Um, and I just want to read this statement from her sister, uh, Melania Brown. She said, I'm grateful that 
the walking while trans ban has been repealed so that trans women of color like my sister won't be as easily profiled. However, this doesn't ease my pain. My sister should have been here with us today. I hope and pray that New York City and state elected officials do not wait for another death and another family to be destroyed like mine to put legislation that protects trans and gender nonconforming people. So this is a step in the right direction, but we still need equal protection signed into law. Um, it's extremely important and could not come soon enough. Absolutely. Yeah. It's wonderful seeing arcane laws like that just going away. Yeah. About time, you know. About time. So a stupid law like that. I know. It's just archaic. archaic. It's, I mean, literally just gives police an excuse to arrest trans women for no reason. And I was reading the, you know, articles about it. And there were some pretty disgusting things about, you know, officers saying like how they had been trained to quote unquote spot prostitutes. And it's just a bunch of transphobic BS. Yeah. Um, it's it's yeah. not a target. Trans. Yeah. No. How to target trans women of color. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's, it's a problem. I've, uh, I've talked to several trans women and I've been, I've been um, asked if I was a prostitute before. Um, but, you know, I, that was while I was in Indy and a while ago. Um, but to live in a city, to live in a, a, a state, you know, that has legalized and codified it into law that this is what officers should be doing is just absolutely disgusting. You know, um, it's good that it's gone. However, that just takes away the, um, the car, you know, the carte blanche to harass, uh, trans women of color. It doesn't take away the action necessarily. And also, again, yeah, equality needs to be written into law. Biden's doing his thing where he's signing executive orders and things, but those can be repealed easily. And they don't actually provide the full protection. They're, they're executive orders and not legislation. So right. we still have to get on our legislators and hold them accountable um, for, for creating a culture where we don't have to look over our shoulders or face harassment mm -hmm. um, any of us. Yeah. The law is gone, but the internal, you know, bias of all these people who have learned to profile, you know, all these law enforcement officers who've learned to profile trans women in this way, um, that's not gone. And it's going to lead to more violence and discrimination unless we enact laws that make it impossible for them to get away with it. Exactly. I mean, sound, this law is gone, which is good. And it's, I think it's being recognized for what it is. However, that will not stop them from finding another way. Right. Uh -huh. So you have to keep on top of it. Yeah. It started with the, what, three articles of clothing thing. Mm -hmm. Um, but there's there's advancements we need to we need to keep that up and we need to um, hold people's feet to the fire but i'm i'm really happy that at least there will be grounds to fight it next time mm -hmm.
that's great news. And today was also another historic day with uh, Pete Buttigieg. Yes. Being the first out cabinet secretary sworn in. And I do have to say, I really did feel very verklempt seeing that picture of him with Chasen holding the Bible for him, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. a same sex couple. It, it was really beautiful. And then uh, Kamala just looked so happy. I mean, they're all wearing masks, but you know, you can see their smiling eyes. And mm-hmm. to me, this is a big deal. It really is. And, you know, I know that there are some people who feel like, you know, Maybe P is too conservative or whatever. He is a religious man. I'm fine with that. I mean, I'd be fine even if he was a Republican. I think that this is the right step. You know, it's a step in the right direction. And he's the first. And he's not going to be the last. Right. Mm -hmm. That's the good thing. But um, for me, I just felt very emotional about it, seeing it. It's just one of those things that I've been waiting for my whole life you know, to see something like that. And it's just great. But there are, of course, these horrible, uh, well, I think they're horrible. Other people think they're great. Senators who voted against him as being a cabinet member. You know, and you and- just have to wonder what, you know, what exactly was their reasoning? What is the point? For fo- what is your reasoning for, for that? It couldn't be because he's out and gay, could it? Oh, of course <laughs> not. Oh, oh my God. Of course not. If he was a heterosexual man with a wife or even posing as a heterosexual man, they would be, you know. They confirm him in two seconds. Yeah. Exactly. So it's just absolutely ridiculous. But it, it just shows you how homophobic these senators are and it's Straight up type of people to go now if they really had issues with his politics or whatever but they don't this is just homophobia mm-hmm. yeah you know, that's that's all it is yeah. so what are their names call well, them out <laughs> well ted cruz <laughs> there's marcia blackburn from tennessee bill cassidy from Louisiana. These are mostly, well, I, I believe all conservative red states. Uh, Tom Cotton, Arkansas, Ted Cruz, of course. <gasps> of course. Not like that dude even knows his own name. I knew the Zodiac Killer was homophobic. <laughs> Weird. Uh, Bill Haggerty from Tennessee, Josh Hawley from Missouri, James Langford, Oklahoma. Roger Marshall, Kansas, Marco Rubio, Florida. What in the crap? Uh, Rick Scott, Florida. What is the point? South Carolina, Richard Shelby, Alabama, and Tommy Tuberville, Alabama. So what about the, what, that uh, green lady? What's her name? Oh, she's in the house. Oh, never mind. Yeah, there was only one woman, Marsha Blackburn from Tennessee. Yeah. Voted against him. But, you know, I, I hope that this goes down as a legacy against them, not for them. Um, times are changing. And I really hope that that will reflect on the future of people who are so prejudiced and so homophobic. Unfortunately, I think the, um, you know, the, the Republican Party is splitting there are people who are, are less rapidly, um, not even QAnon, but um, 
virulently anti-everything. You know, there are people in the Republican Party still who want to legislate. Um, They might have been afraid because, you know, when every vote comes down to party line and even when you're you're supporting things you know are wrong, yeah, there's a corruption of your your values there. Um, and we saw that with the Republican Party in Congress, but down ticket, you know, there are people that actually want to serve. And they see this going on and you know, they know better. There there are even a few Republicans in the state who um, don't have a problem with LGBT folk, but it becomes almost impossible to, um, when you're running for re-election and that's your goal, it becomes impossible to actually act on your beliefs. Uh, in the face of people who are more rabid, like our Kubert friend from uh, from North Georgia. Now, this is the first time I've heard the term Kubert. Somebody said it, and I just picked it up because I, you know, liked Kubert, um, but it was kind of goofy. Yeah, and it's it's a way to be cute about the. Uh, really not cute that whole um, cancer of the mind when people just willingly lose touch with reality and I can't I can't fathom it um, and and she's in the news for um What was oh she introduced a bill now when Biden came into office one of the early bills he signed or one of the directives that he gave was uh, not bills he signed one of the early things he signed uh, or directives he gave was that embassies can fly the LGBT flag during Pride Month like they have for years um, under Trump they couldn't do that anymore why who knows. But Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, believes that the pride flag is an anti-America flag and uh, quote unquote, I hate America flag, sorry. Quote, well, unquote. Saying, like, yeah, literally. I mean, that's what she's saying is that it's uh, hate America flag. That's what she says it means. Yeah. I personally, as a queer person, agree. I hate America and my pride flag is definitely a hate America flag. <laughs> Just kidding. Not really. <laughs> well, yeah, but she's completely misrepresenting the meaning of the flag. Right. In Ireland, I think that you said something very witty, but very true earlier. Do you remember what that was? About, oh, the Confederate flag is okay with her. Yeah. Right. That's literally a hate America flag. Literally a hate America flag. Like, it's literally, literally I hate democracy flag. That mm-hmm. is, you know, yeah. represents the traitors of the Civil War. 
But what she says, pretty much anything she says is you can just discount it as um, don't discount it because she actually is part of a, a large group of people who believe these things. But um, whatever she says is unhinged and not based in reality. Um, yeah, the Jewish space lasers thing, the mm. whatever. That's what I was going to say. Um, but this is, this is definitely, you know, it, they, a mask that says Trump won. Yeah. She doesn't know what's going on. But these hateful, spiteful bits of legislation that float through even state legislatures like they are this year, you know, they're, they're just digs at, at what? Why is it so important that they take queer people down? You know, why is it so important that they attack LGBT kids? You know, that's, that seems... Um, disturbing to me. It is disturbing, but they don't only attack LGBTQ kids or the gay community. They attack Jews. They attack the handicapped. They attack everyone that people historically have attacked who are Nazis yeah. and fascists. Mm-hmm. They attack people that they perceive as weak. Yeah, they're bullying. Prove them wrong. And they're they're not liking the fact that we're getting more and more power and more and more visibility and that we're more and more vocal. We're more and more apparent. It's very, very threatening to women like this. But she said hateful things about Jewish people. Oh, yeah. And... (laughs) And, you know, of course, Black Lives Matter, she said, was a terrorist, domestic terrorist right. uh, organization. And, and they want to be, bring mass destruction to our country through communism. Um, well, it, so is Antifa, you know. Right. Well, Antifa, <laughs> Antifa destroyed everything. Right. Um, but I remember this rhetoric from, what, the 60s and the 50s, the... Uh, um, can I even say it on the radio? Tommy Pinko Fags uh, was a joke, even making fun of people who were unenlightened in the 50s and 60s, who were afraid of the, you know, the communist scare and queer people, and we were all allied together. And, um, and this goes hand in hand with it. Well, we had a little technical glitch there i apologize for that you're going to hear a bit of discontinuity in the cut unless uh lucas can work his inimitable magic um but we're running up to the end of the hour now anyway so there are a few names that uh, we need to mention these are people who have passed recently for for a host of reasons and um and i think they need to be memorialized because um they truly had a, a huge impact on so many people in the lgbt community 
And maybe you've heard of their names, maybe you haven't. Um, but we should we should cover them here. Yeah, it's been sort of a sad week for our community in terms of obituaries. Um, one that sort of moved me was uh, the sudden and tragic death of Sophie, a transgender Scottish musician who had um, and producer and Grammy nominee um, who had worked with Madonna and all sorts of famous musicians and was very influential within her genre, died suddenly trying to look at the wolf moon. If anybody saw that on Friday night, that was amazing. I got an amazing picture of it and the picture didn't even do it justice. I was just like, this can't really be the moon. But um, sadly she was in Athens and climbed on a rooftop in order to be able to see it. I don't think that she could be a good enough view and fell and died at the age of 34. And she oh. was in the prime of her life and the prime of her career. And mm-hmm. um, I listened to some of her music and really enjoyed it. Uh, I, d- I wasn't really that aware of her, but people yeah. within the music industry are just have interest. She's one of those, yeah, just one of those unsung heroes mm-hmm. of the, of, of truly. Of- the pop music industry in general, she's influenced so many artists from um, Rihanna to, I mean, she worked with Kim Petras a lot. She worked with obviously Madonna, like you said, but she was just so influential in so many ways that she doesn't get enough credit Absolutely. for. And Cause I hadn't really listened to her uh, before. It just broke my heart. Mm. She's certainly a mag- magician behind all the, the hits that doesn't get the recognition. Exactly. Yeah. She deserved um, more attention for sure. Mm-hmm. Her one song immaterial is just one of my favorite songs ever. It's, okay. it's just the perfect expression of, of trans euphoria and, 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 I took some time um, when I heard that news on Saturday and I, you know, put my earphones in and, um, you know, I did, I sort of wanted to commune with her a little bit and, you know, just bl- blasted that song and danced my heart out and just cried. And I, she, I'm getting emotional. She meant so much to me. So. I love that. I'm glad that uh... <laughs> you knew about her and you know you can share your knowledge with us and maybe we should play one of her songs if not on this show then oh i i think that'd be a great idea i'm going to listen to that track um i had read yeah, it we could... because of her she's mm-hmm. a striking looking individual um yeah but it really it, it's just sad i i hate seeing such a talent <sighs> You know, life just ends so suddenly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh. Her other song, um, It's Okay to Cry as well, that was just oh, yeah. incredibly influential just because of, it was like the her first, um, she was pretty uh, uh, um, reserved and didn't um, wasn't very public about uh, her identity until she sort of came out and like started... Um, you know, actually presenting her music and um, as Sophie and everything. And it's uh, her song, It's Okay to Cry, um, was she used her natural unmodulated voice. Usually she pitches her voice up for songs, but um, 
it was just a beautiful, beautiful piece. And um, I don't know, her music is just so important to the trans community and just, just encapsulates so many of the emotions and, and pain and joy that trans people go through. Definitely a sad loss. Uh, unfortunately, she wasn't the only one that we lost this week. Uh, we lost um, a incredible, um, another incredible trans icon um, and artist and disabled uh, ac- activist. And um, her name is uh, Sandy Crisp, also known as the Goddess Bunny. Um, she passed away at the age of 61. Um, and she you know, even through her disability and um, many trying circumstances, she never gave up on her determination to pursue fame. And she just really wanted to be a part of the, of Hollywood. And she wanted to be a representation of trans and disabled people in, in, as a celebrity. And, um, and this is a quote from her. um, Oh, it is uh, her, sorry, this is um, Los Angeles artist Rick Castro told Vice, she saw herself as mainstream and she saw herself as being a goddess and a star and that's how she lived her life and approached the world. I think she made it work for her because if she sat and accepted what her reality is, she probably would not get anything done and just feel sorry for herself. But Bunny never gave up on her determination to pursue fame. Not one person, she said, uh, not one disabled person, she said, has a star on the walk of fame. Even Lassie has a star. If Hollywood won't take me, I'll deal with the underground. So she was just incredible. And um, and um, the third one for this week was, a, you know, you hear people's names crop up in, in the movement. And, um, and maybe you don't know them, maybe you do. We're small enough that um, a lot of people know some really, truly transformative folks. And uh, I actually didn't see the news first. I saw friends posting memories of Carmen Vasquez. She has such a long history of activism and, uh, and just really transformative in in her life of uh, the LGBT community, she was born in uh, the same year my mom was, 1949, in um, in Puerto Rico, and moved to New York City uh, in the 50s. She graduated from City of New York University uh, or University of New York uh, in the early 70s with a, a master's in education. And then she moved to San Francisco, and that kind of sparked her her activism. Uh, she worked out there uh, advocating for gender equality and social justice. She became the director of the National Network for Immigrant and Refugee Rights and the coordinator of the LGBTQ services for the San Francisco Department of Public Health. So she was working to create that, um, what we think of, you know, San Francisco being this really progressive place. She was, she was part of that instrumental, uh, uh, sea change. And then she, uh, she 
founded uh, the Women's Building, which is a women-led community space uh, that opened in San Francisco. And she ended up moving back to New York in the 90s. And there she became uh, the director for policy for the city's LGBTQ community center and helped found the New York State LGBT Health and Human Services Network. So there are 70 nonprofit organizations that are part of that. Um, you know, and, and how many people have availed themselves of its services and how many people has, has she helped? She, you know, also she, I, I was watching pictures float by attending commitment ceremonies, um, you know, giving lectures, meeting with people. She was one of those folks who was just tireless and, and out in the community. And I wanted to, uh, to give a shout out to her. And one of those people you wish you knew, you know? Um, and so we have to say goodbye too soon to all of them. Um, but what an incredible impact they all made, you know, in, in each in one their of their, their genres, right? Even right. in their short lives. And, you know, the oldest was 72, which I still maintain is too short of a life. Yeah. What you're saying as we get closer, it, <laughs> it doesn't seem like it's... Uh, you're talking about I'm 22. <laughs> <laughs> We're all young and beautiful forever. Well, you guys, I think we need to wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Do you have the ending? I do. Woohoo. Me to do it or does somebody else want to do it? Go for it. Okay. <clears throat> oh, wait, but you say something first, Melanie, don't you? Oh, we're out of time. <laughs> <laughs> we, we've only been talking for two hours. <laughs> This should just be that we should just have a show, Truman Show of us. That's all. <laughs> Blooming Out is a production of WFHB Community Radio and produced by Melanie Davis and Kate Young. Lucas Fisher is our engineer. For Blooming Out and WFHB, I'm Justin Robertson. I'm Ireland Meacham. I'm Lucas Fisher. I'm Melanie Davis. And remember, if everything were straight, roller coasters would be one long, boring ride. Be well, stay safe, speak truth, manifest equity, demand justice, wear your masks, and good night from the Blooming Out family. <laughs>